you know, tonight we will continue our discussion on Christ's second coming. And this is part nine. And we'll start in first Nephi chapter 13. And in first Nephi chapter 13, we will start in verse 32. Wherefore saith the Lamb of God, I will be merciful unto the Gentiles, unto the visiting of the remnant of the house of Israel in great judgment. And it came to pass that the angel of the Lord spake unto me, saying, Behold, saith the Lamb of God, after I have visited the remnant of the house of Israel, and this remnant of whom I speak is the seed of thy father. Wherefore, after I had visited them in judgment, and smitten them by the hand of the Gentiles. And after the Gentiles do stumble exceedingly because of the most plain and precious parts of the gospel of the Lamb, which have been kept back by that abominable church, which is the mother of harlots, saith the Lamb. And I would submit to you that the plain and precious parts of the gospel, which have kept been kept back, are... The new and everlasting covenant, which was established with Adam to offer up a broken heart and contrite spirit for the reception of the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that this was removed from the Old Testament, that it was removed from the New Testament. And it was removed by Brigham Young from the doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and replaced with plural marriage, i.e. D&C 132. Are we merciful unto the Gentiles in that day? And the meaning of in that day is the day of the restoration of the gospel by Joseph Smith in his second ministry. This is also used in Isaiah in that day, you know, talking about the beginning of the day of judgment. Insomuch that I will bring forth unto them in mine power much of my gospel. So, as we read in DNC 101, when Joseph Smith returns, you know, first he gathers together the residue of the servants, or those called by the Lord, the first laborers in the last kingdom, in DNC 88, my apostles and my friends in the Doctrine and Covenants, and the servants in DNC 101. And while Joseph Smith is busy translating ancient scripture, um, including the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon, the record of the Twelve Apostles of the Lamb, uh, finishing his translation of the New Testament, you know, and the brass plates. Um, he will bring forth those records when he comes on the scene, and all of those records will go to the terrestrial order of the gospel of the Church of Christ, while the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon will be held back for the Church of the Firstborn. And in the records which Joseph Smith will bring forth, and the things which he shall teach shall be the fullness of Christ's gospel, 
But until then, we have as it says at the end of verse 34, in so much that I will bring forth unto them in mine own power much of my gospel. So much of Christ's gospel is what is left in the Book of Mormon and the current Doctrine and Covenants which we have, which is given to us to prepare us to receive the fullness of the gospel, which is soon coming. But only those who receive that portion of the gospel, which has been given to us, will accept the fullness of the gospel as it is restored by Joseph Smith. Verse 35. For behold, saith the Lamb, I will manifest myself unto thy seed, that they shall write many things which I shall minister unto them which shall be plain and precious. And after thy seed shall be destroyed and dwindle in unbelief, and also the seed of thy brethren. Behold, these things shall be hid up to come forth unto the Gentiles by the gifts and the power of the Lamb. So this is the restoration of the gospel to Joseph Smith. His translating the Book of Mormon. But then, as we have studied in previous meetings, um, we would, as a people, reject the new covenant in the Book of Mormon. Even the doctrine of Christ, the broken heart and contrite spirit that we might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And at the death of Joseph Smith, that the heavens would be closed, but that before Christ's second coming, that Joseph Smith would return. And as the fullness of the priesthood of Jesus Christ, the apostolic order monk as a priesthood would be restored to him. Again, the heavens would again be open and the knowledge of the doctrine of Christ would again go forth among the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and among all of those who accept the, the doctrine of the restoration through Joseph Smith. Verse 35, for behold, thus saith the Lamb, I will manifest myself unto thy seed, that they shall write many things which I shall minister unto them. And most importantly, um, the doctrine of Christ, which shall be plain and precious, which has been removed from both the Old and the New Testament. We have always misinterpreted um, these verses. Um, in actuality, what it's talking about is when the separation between the wheat and the tares shall happen among the Latter-day Saints, and the wheat will join that Latter-day Exodus, and Joseph Smith has brought forth all of the scriptures which we have just mentioned, that will go forth to the Church of Christ. There will be great missionary efforts that will include not only the Book of Mormon, but also those scriptures. And among them will be the completion of Joseph Smith's translation of the New Testament and the record of the Twelve Apostles. And we will take these forth 
in our missionary efforts to the Lamanites, as well as the Book of Mormon, as well will we take them the fullness of the doctrine of Christ, which will be declared by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39. And after it had come forth unto them, I beheld other books, which came forth by the power of the Lamb from the Gentiles unto them. Unto the convincing of the Gentiles. So, as Joseph Smith brings forth this additional scripture, it will assist in the convincing of that final number of the Latter-day Saints that Joseph Smith is, in fact, a true prophet who has returned. And it will help you know, convince those who have not yet accepted the doctrine of Christ to accept the doctrine of Christ before that final separation between the wheat and the tares where the tares don't make it. And then the all of the converted Gentiles, or us, who accept the fullness of the doctrine of Christ will go out on that exodus, and we will bring the fullness of the gospel to the Lamanites. Unto the convincing of the Gentiles and the remnant of the seed of my brethren, and also the Jews, who were scattered upon all the face of the earth. So oftentimes we relegate Jews to those who are at Jerusalem right now. Um, but in reality, if we look back in history, and we look back to the days of Lehi and the prophet Jeremiah, and you know, just one note that we're going to be getting to oftentimes when uh, Nephi and other Book of Mormon prophets use the term Jews, they're actually referring to the house of Israel, with the exception of scattered Ephraim, you know, who are the Gentiles, and the remnant um, of Israel, who usually in the Book of Mormon is referred to as the Lamanites. So, back in um, Lehi and his family's uh, period of time, you know, six to seven hundred BC uh, in Jerusalem, we had the Deuteronomists, who were the priests and Pharisees of that day, who had corrupted the Hebrew religion into the Jewish religion, who had removed from the Old Testament the new covenant and the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and had replaced it with their own law. And yes, while Moses did receive a law, um, the Deuteronomist greatly added their own law to it. You know, at the same time they removed the new covenant. And they threatened to kill everybody that did not submit to their tyranny. And so there were a group of priests in the temple of King Solomon who would not submit to the tyranny of the Deuteronomists. 
And these were called the Rechabite priests. And a portion of the Rechabite priests left with the prophet Jeremiah and two of the daughters of King Zedekiah. And they sailed up north and they stopped at various places, but they ended up settling in actually Western England. So we actually had the pure bloodline of Judah being preserved in Western England, you know, which is why, you know, that's where Joseph of Arimathea and his close relative Mary, uh, you know, came from, you know, Joseph Arimathea having, you know, tin mines in London and or in England establishing a trade route with the Middle East. And that's how Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, who was of the preserved pure bloodline of Judah, um, which was decimated in the land of Israel under the Babylonian captivity. Um, you know, that's where the pure Jewish bloodline was preserved. And in all actuality, um, you know, once we had rejected the fullness of the gospel as prophesied by Christ in 3 Nephi 16.10, and the office of 12 apostle was extended by Oliver Cowdery and David Whitmer uh, in the Telestial Church of the Latter-day Saints. And they were sent as missionaries to uh, Europe. And they began the gathering out of Israel and even, you know, the Jews. Um, you know, who had largely lost their identity. And many of them accepted, you know, the restoration of the gospel, you know, even though we were only taking forth uh, the, you know, telestial order of the gospel, still the fullness of the gospel was contained in the uh, scriptures of the restoration. And that gathering commenced, um, which, as we read in D&C 101 in the Pearl of Redemption of Zion, you know, the Lord commanded the original servants to plant a vineyard and, um, you know, establish 12 olive trees, you know, which represent the 12 tribes of Israel, which work did begin under Joseph Smith. So now going back to First Nephi 13. Um, verse 39, and after it had come forth unto them, I beheld other books which came forth by the power of the Lamb from the Gentiles unto them, unto the convincing of the Gentiles and the remnant of the seed of my brethren and also the Jews. So, you know, I gave that bit of background to understand that, you know, some of those Jews are actually among the Latter-day Saints. Um, they're also in Western Europe, you know, as well in other places. Who were scattered upon all the face of the earth, that the records of the prophets and of the 12 apostles of the Lamb are true. So, you know, the record of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, that we haven't yet received that record. That's not the New Testament. Um, this is a record that Joseph Smith 
is still bringing forth. You know, because if you look carefully at the New Testament, that is not, you know, the record of the 12 apostles. You know, sure, there you know, are some of the 12 apostles you know, whose record is among our current New Testament. But that is not the full record of the 12 apostles. Verse 40. And the angel spake unto me, saying, These last records which thou hast seen among the Gentiles shall establish the truth of the first which are of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, and shall make known the plain and precious things which have been taken away from them, and shall make known to all kindreds, tongues, and people that the Lamb of God is the Son of the Eternal Father and the Savior of the world, and that all men must come unto him, or they cannot be saved. And they must come according to the words which shall be established by the mouth of the Lamb. Okay, again, you know, at the end of verse 40. And that all men must come unto him, or they cannot be saved. Well, let's cross-reference this with 3 Nephi chapter 9. In 3 Nephi chapter 9, Christ tells us exactly how we are to come unto him. Third Nephi 9 verse 17. And as many as have received me, and to receive Christ means the same thing as coming unto Christ. To them have I given to become the sons of God. And even so will I to as many as believe on my name. For behold, by me redemption cometh, and in me is the law of Moses fulfilled. And in verse 20, he tells exactly how we are to come unto him or to receive him or to enter into the new covenant. And again, a covenant has two parts. You know, it has our part and God's part. And our part of the new covenant is the new sacrifice. And verse 20, And ye shall offer for sacrifice unto me a broken heart and contrite spirit. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and contrite spirit, him will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Now going back to 1 Nephi chapter 13. Again, verse 40. And the angel spake unto me, saying, These last records which thou hast seen among the Gentiles, the last records meaning those which Joseph Smith will yet bring forth, as well as the Book of Mormon, shall establish the truth of the first, which are of the twelve apostles of the Lamb, and shall make known the plain and precious things which have been taken away from them and shall make known to all kindreds, tongues, and peoples that the Lamb of God is the Son of the Eternal Father and the Savior of the world, and that all men must come unto him through the new covenant, or they cannot be saved. And salvation is the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And once we receive salvation, then we can go on to exaltation. Verse 41. And they must come according to the words which shall be established by the mouth of the Lamb. And the words of the Lamb shall be made known in the records of thy seed, as well in the records of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Wherefore, they both shall be established in one, 
for there is one God and one shepherd over all the earth. You know, there were, there were many during Joseph Smith's day who believed that, you know, this prophecy was talking about that portion of the translation of the Bible that Joseph Smith had been able to finish, which was just a small fraction of the entire translation of the Bible. I mean, really, Joseph Smith's translation of the Bible is the book of Moses. And then he was able to make a few additional notes. Um, but, you know, all we have, you know, from his translation is the book of Moses and then a few additional notes, most of which were just kept in a drawer and then assembled later. And we assume that that is the translated, you know, uh, you know, the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible, it, it's not. It's only just scratching the surface. And Joseph Smith ha- it will yet be bringing that forth. And, you know, really, you know, his translation of the Old Testament will be his translation of the brass plates. Verse 42. And the time cometh that he shall manifest himself unto all nations, both unto the Jews and also unto the Gentiles. And after he has manifested himself unto the Jews and also unto the Gentiles, then he shall manifest himself unto the Gentiles and also unto the Jews. And the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Now in First Nephi chapter 14, we'll read verses 1 through 17. And it came to pass that if the Gentiles shall hearken unto the Lamb of God in that day. So again, verse 1 is talking about the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in this day, literally today. Um, And in fact, all of those who have received the scriptures of the Restoration. that he shall manifest himself unto them in word and also in power, in very deed unto the taking away of their stumbling blocks. Well, how is Christ manifesting himself to the members of the church in power, in deed, unto the taking away of their stumbling blocks? Well, the major stumbling block is what is talked about by Nephi, in 2 Nephi 28. Let's go to 2 Nephi 28. And here are the stumbling blocks of the Gentiles. Okay, number one. Uh, In verse 14. Halfway through verse 14. They have all gone astray, meaning the Latter-day Saints, save it be a few who are the humble followers of Christ. Nevertheless, they are led that in many instances they do err because they are taught by the precepts of man. Verse 21. And others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security, that they will say all is well in Zion. Yea, Zion prospereth, all is well. And thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. Now, 
again, this is talking about the majority of the Latter-day Saints, that the devil is cheating their souls away carefully down to hell because we believe that we have the fullness of the gospel that was restored to Joseph Smith. We believe that we still have the terrestrial order of the gospel. We believe that we still have the church of Christ. And we don't realize that we were demoted from the terrestrial church of Christ to the telestial church of Latter-day Saints in 1834. And as recorded in DNC 124, at the death of Joseph Smith, we stood rejected as a church with our dead. But the Lord still called the LDS church my house, still gathered his people into it to have access to the Aaronic priesthood, a valid sacrament, baptism into the preparatory gospel. Um, and, you know, access to the scriptures of the restoration to prepare us uh, for the fullness of the gospel when Joseph Smith would return and the heavens would again be open and men and women would again see the new covenant in the Book of Mormon and would again seek after and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and thereafter seek to enter into the rest of the Lord. Verse 24. Therefore, woe be unto him that is at ease in Zion. Woe be unto him that crieth all is well. Yea, and here we start to get a list of the stumbling blocks. One stumbling block, the first one, is that if we're a, uh, a temple recommend caring member of the church who's been sealed in the temple, that we have an e-ticket to the celestial kingdom. And therefore, we crieth, all is well. That's stumbling block number one. Stumbling block number two. Woe be unto him that hearkeneth unto the precepts of men. Well, how do we, as Latter-day Saints, hearken unto the precepts of men? We accept as doctrine and as scripture things spoken by men who speak not by the power and authority of God neither by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. That's stumbling block number two. And denieth the power of God. Well, so when men and women actually do speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, they are um, scorned and ridiculed. And when true miracles are exercised by the power of God, um, they are proclaimed as something else and you know, rejected by the Latter-day Saints. Number three, and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, if you ask 98% of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints what the new and everlasting covenant is, they will all tell you, well, it's, it's temple marriage. Well, Brigham Young changed the new and everlasting covenant uh, as restored by Joseph Smith, uh, a broken heart and contrite spirit, to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, with plural marriage. If you really read DNC 132, the new and everlasting covenant isn't just, isn't temple marriage, 
it is plural marriage. And thus, the most basic aspect, the entire foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ was gutted. And we didn't even know what the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost was, because the new covenant was replaced with plural marriage. And if you really believe that that's what the new and everlasting covenant is, then um, I guess you better go take plural wives. Otherwise, you cannot be saved. Um, however, if you accept what Christ says is the new and everlasting covenant, then you will enter into the sacrifice of a broken up and contrite spirit. You might receive the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost and actually become sons and daughters of Christ. This is salvation. Next, verse 27. Yea, woe be unto him that saith we have received and we need no more. So the next stumbling block of the Latter-day Saints is that Everything that we need has been declared over the pulpit and is in the conference talks. I know that I was told by my bishop that if it hasn't been both spoken and appears in the written record by a general authority within the last three years, then it is not authorized to be spoken of or taught uh, in church on Sunday. Uh, including anything that Joseph Smith said, including any doctrine that may be in the scriptures, including the Book of Mormon or Doctrine and Covenants, if not declared by a general authority and written in the last three years, it is not authorized to be taught um, in church on Sunday. A woe be unto him that saith we have received and we need no more. Verse 28, and in fine, woe unto all those who tremble and are angry because of the truth of God. So here we have a litmus test that separates uh, very quickly, or at least allows us to know uh, wheat from tares, wise from foolish virgins. Woe unto all those who tremble and are angry because of the truth of God. For behold, he that is built upon the rock who is Christ in Revelation, receiveth it with gladness. Or in other words, as the servants of God go forth for the last time to declare the doctrine of Christ by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, which all of us have the opportunity to be among those individuals, those who receive the doctrine of Christ with gladness, are they to whom in verse 14 are referred to as the humble followers of Christ. So even though the humble followers of Christ in many instances uh, among the Latter-day Saints do err because they are taught by the precepts of men, yet when the truth and the fullness of the gospel is declared to them by true servants, they receive it with gladness. And he that is built upon a sandy foundation trembleth lest he shall fall. Well, all of those Latter-day Saints 
who will not receive the doctrine of Christ with gladness and are angry when it is declared to them. They are built upon some foundation other than Jesus Christ in Revelation. And that is a very fast litmus test. Then verse 29. Woe be unto him that saith, we have received the word of God, and we need no more the word of God, for we have enough. Woe be unto those Latter-day Saints who declare, we do not need the doctrine of Christ as it is contained in the Book of Mormon because we have conference talks. And the conference talks do not define the doctrine of Christ as it is defined in the Book of Mormon. Therefore, we do not need it, and therefore we reject it. And therefore, we do not enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, and we do not seek after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and we do not think that entering into the rest of the Lord is something that is appropriate in our day. That is something that is reserved for the next life. Verse 30. For behold, thus saith the Lord God, I will give unto the children of men line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. And blessed are those who hearken unto my precepts and lend an ear unto my counsel, for they shall learn wisdom. For unto him that receiveth, I will give more. And from them that shall say, we have enough, from them shall be taken away even that which they have. Verse 31. Cursed is he that putteth his trust in man. So here's another stumbling block, as was referred to in verse 26. But it expounds on what was said in verse 26. Woe be unto him that hearkeneth unto the precepts of men. Here we have the definition of exactly what that means. And so that we don't confuse what it means, we get a fuller explanation in verse 31. Cursed is he that putteth his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm, or shall hearken unto the precepts of men. Okay, this is a major stumbling block that uh, Nephi and the Lord is referring to um, of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We do do these things, and thus we set up idols before Jesus Christ. Now, at the end of verse 31, save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. So it's not that we're supposed to reject every word that is spoken by the mouth of a man or woman. Um, we are supposed to use discernment to discern when a man or woman speaks by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost and when they do not. And when a man or woman speaks by the power of the authority of the Holy Ghost, we are to accept their words with gladness. You know, going back up to verse 28, and then find woe unto all those who tremble and are angry because of the truth of God. Well, how do you think the truth of God gets declared if not by men and women? Well, if we were supposed to reject all the words spoken by, you know, men or women, women in the flesh, then uh, we would, yes, be rejecting all error, but we would also be rejecting all truth that can be spoken by true messengers. So, you know, verse Verses 26, 28, and 31, what we come to understand 
and especially when we pair this with 1 Nephi chapter 10 and chapter 11, we are to discern when one speaks by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. And when they do, we are to receive it with gladness. And this is not what is meant by putting our trust in man, maketh flesh our arm, or hearkening unto the precepts of man. However, every time we accept with gladness those who do not speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, we are guilty of these things. And we're guilty of idolatry. And this is one of the major stumbling blocks of the Latter-day Saints. Verse 32, woe be unto the members of the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints slash Gentiles. Saith the Lord God of hosts, for notwithstanding I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day, they will deny me. Well, how have we denied him? The same way the children of Israel did under Moses. If we quickly turn to DNC 84, this is how the children of Israel, and this is how the Latter-day Saints have denied Jesus Christ. DNC 84, verses 23 and 24. Now this Moses slash Joseph Smith plainly taught to the children of Israel slash early saints in the wilderness and sought diligently to sanctify their people that they might behold the face of God. But behold, they hardened their hearts. Okay, so how did Moses and Joseph Smith seek to diligently sanctify their people that they might enter into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory, exactly as they had done? Well, through the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's the sanctification. And the opposite of a broken heart and contrite spirit is to harden our hearts. But that's what we did. And that's what the children of Israel did. Verse 24, and they hardened their hearts and could not endure his presence. And they could not endure his presence because they would not become sons and daughters of Christ through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then qualified to receive that level of revelation that would instruct them about how to part the veil and ascend to the high mountain, just as Moses had done. Not the heavenly mountain, the, not the earthly mountain, but the heavenly mountain. And could not endure his presence. Therefore the Lord in his wrath, for his anger was kindled against them, swore that they should not enter into his rest while in the wilderness, or while in Kirtland, or in Missouri, or in Nauvoo, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Therefore he took Joseph Smith, slash Moses, out of their midst. Did he take them immediately out of their midst? No. But eventually, after they had exhausted all their opportunities to repent and return and ascend back up to the terrestrial order, then he took Moses and Joseph Smith out of their midst. And the holy priesthood also, or the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood, the first order of Melchizedek priesthood, which was restored to Joseph Smith by Peter, James, and John, which was the power and authority to baptize with water into the terrestrial order of the gospel and to perform the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when there is not a man on the earth who is ordained and sealed to that order of the priesthood, the heavens are closed. And it is then not possible to receive the baptism of fire baptism of the Holy Ghost, or enter into the rest of the Lord. Verse 26. And the lesser priesthood, or the Aaronic priesthood, including both the Levitical and the Aaronic, continued, both among 
the children of Israel and among the Latter-day Saints. Um, and, you know, this was for the Latter-day Saints in 1834, um, even though Joseph Smith continued to have the fullness of the priesthood, the, the Latter-day Saints did not. But the priesthood holdeth the key of the ministering of angels and the preparatory gospel. You know, that's what we operated under, uh, you know, except for a few who Joseph Smith um, gave, you know, power to, which did not include Brigham Young. Verse 27 which gospel is the gospel of repentance and baptism and the remission of sins, which is what the children of Israel got, and it's what we got, and it's what we still have. So going back to 2 Nephi 28 and in verse 32, Woe unto the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Gentiles, saith the Lord God of hosts, for notwithstanding I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day, they will deny me. Well, we just read in DNC 84 how we denied Christ. And we denied him through refusing to enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, yes, but those verses that you read, yes, you applied them to the Latter-day Saints, but they were sp speaking specifically about the children of Israel. But... If we go back to DNC 84, I will show you that it was, in fact, a direct parallel because of the verses that come next. For in DNC 84, verses 54 through 59, and your minds in time past have been darkened because you have, because of unbelief and because you have treated lightly the things that you have received which vanity and unbelief have brought the whole church under condemnation, which condemnation resteth upon all, um, resteth upon the children of Zion, even all, and they shall remain under this condemnation until they repent and remember the new covenant in the Book of Mormon, which is a broken heart and contrite spirit. That very thing that would sanctify us to prepare us to enter into the rest of the Lord. So see, it is directly parallel. And the whole reason that the Lord gave us that account is because he was giving us an example of what was going to happen to us because the children of Israel came under the very same condemnation and covenant curse. Until they repent and remember the new covenant, broken heart and contrite spirit for the reception of the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost in the Book of Mormon and the former commandments which I have given them not only to say but to do according to that which I have written. So it's not enough just to say, Father, I offer up unto you my broken heart and contrite spirit. Because then the Father's going to test us to see if we're serious. Are we only paying lip service to him or are our hearts behind our words? And we prove to him by our actions if we are truly willing to enter into that new covenant. that they may bring forth fruit, meat for their father's kingdom. Well, what does that mean to bring forth fruit, meat for their father's kingdom? That means that we become sons and daughters of Christ through him extending his name to us 
as he baptizes us with the Holy Ghost, which he does because he pleads our case with the Father, and he gets permission from the Father to adopt us as his sons and his daughters. And when that permission is granted, that is when we receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost by ordinance. And that is the fruit, meat, for, uh, of Christ for his Father's kingdom. Us becoming his sons and his daughters. Well, that's what we're rejecting. That's why we've come under condemnation and from and progressed from condemnation to covenant curse. Otherwise, there remaineth a scourge and judgment to be poured out upon the children of Zion. So Christ is saying it can get a lot worse than coming under condemnation. And if you don't repent and return, you will see what worse is. Well, that's exactly what happened. For shall the children of the kingdom pollute my holy land? Verily I say unto you, nay. So if we go back now to 2 Nephi 28, now we start to get more context about what the Lord is meaning in verse 32. Woe be unto the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, saith the Lord of hosts, for notwithstanding I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day, because not only did he restore knowledge of the new covenant and how to become his sons and daughters, but even after we rejected it, he kept giving Latter-day Saints chance after chance after chance to repent and return and receive back everything that had been taken from us, nevertheless, they will deny me. So, even though the Lord in his mercy would give us greater light and knowledge, and chance after chance after chance to repent and return, we wouldn't as a people. You know, speaking collectively, not necessarily individually, we wouldn't. Nevertheless, I will be merciful unto them, saith the Lord God, if they will repent and come unto me. So this is literally, uh, even though we would not, during Joseph Smith's first ministry, we're being given a second chance in the second ministry. And if this time, we will repent and return, which means to enter into the new covenant, seek after and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. For mine arm is lengthened out all the day long, saith the Lord God of hosts. Okay, now we'll go back to First Nephi um, 13. Or First Nephi chapter 14. And now we have greater context to understand the stumbling block of uh, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints all the way from Joseph Smith's day unto our day. It shall come to pass that if the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Gentiles shall hearken unto the Lamb of God in that day or in our day in the second ministry of Joseph Smith, 
He shall manifest himself unto them in word and also in power, in very deed, under the taking away of their stumbling blocks. Well, how is this done? Well, their restoration to the true covenant, not plural marriage, but a broken heart and contrite spirit. And he will again open the heavens and extend his name to them if they will enter into the covenant. And they'll become his sons and his daughters. Thus, the stumbling block is taken away. Verse 2, and harden not their hearts. Well, the opposite of hardening not their hearts is when the truth is declared to them, receiving it with gladness, offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit. Harden not their hearts against the Lamb of God, like we did the first time. They shall be numbered among the seed of thy father. Yea, they shall be numbered among the house of Israel. And they shall be a blessed people upon the promised land forever. They shall be no more brought down into captivity. And the house of Israel shall no more be confounded. For we were brought into captivity by degrees. By our enemies. Under Joseph Smith as we rejected the new covenant. And this was pretty much sealed upon us. And we kept coming under greater and greater and greater captivity from the time of the death of Joseph Smith until now, because more and more of the fullness of the doctrine of Christ uh, became lost to us. And I'm going to cross-reference this with 3 Nephi 16, 10 and 13. So remember in verse 2 that if the members of the church of Jesus Christ harden not our hearts, or if we enter into the new covenant, we shall be numbered among the seed of the remnant of Jacob or uh, the Lamanites who received the fullness of the gospel from our hand. Uh, Yea, even among all the house of Israel, and we shall be a blessed people And we shall receive an inheritance upon this land with the righteous Lamanites. And so in 3 Nephi 16.10, Christ prophesies that after the restoration of the gospel under Joseph, that we will reject the fullness of the gospel, but that we will have the opportunity to receive it once again. So 3 Nephi 16.10, And thus commanded the Father that I should say unto you, Christ is speaking. And he's saying, Heavenly Father has commanded me to declare, so this is as high as authoritative statements get on the authoritative scale. It doesn't get any more authoritative than this, than Christ declaring whatever the Father commands him to declare. And this is what the Father commanded him to declare to the Nephites, that we might have this record that it might speak from the dust to us that we might awaken and arise. At that day when the members of the Church of Christ, which is what was originally restored to Joseph Smith, which was the fullness of the gospel, shall sin against my gospel and shall reject the fullness of my gospel. How do we reject the fullness of my gospel? Well, we just read it in 2 Nephi 28 and in uh DNC 84, we rejected the new covenant, 
We rejected the opportunity to take Christ's name upon us and to become his sons and his daughters. That's how we rejected the fullness of his gospel. And so the fullness of Christ's gospel has only existed in these last days um, until perhaps now. But at the time of Joseph Smith's first ministry, that was only 1829 to 1834. So we're talking about a very specific period in church history. There are no other candidates. And shall reject the fullness of my gospel and shall be lifted up in the pride of their hearts above all nations and above all the people of the whole earth and shall be filled with all manner of lyings and of deceits and of mischiefs and of all manner of hypocrisy and murders and priestcrafts and whoredoms and of secret abominations. And if they shall do all those things and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, well, no longer, no wonder with that laundry list of sins were we not ready to offer up broken hearts and contrite spirits. Behold, saith the Father, I will bring the fullness of my gospel from among them. So we're demoted from the terrestrial order to the telestial order. But then the fullness of the gospel, i.e. still retained in the scripture of restoration, was sent forth to gather out Israel in uh, which was scattered in Europe and begin the gathering of Israel by the 12 apostles uh, who had that church office but had not yet um, actually become apostles of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which would require, as Oliver Cowdery told them, to part the veil, see the face of God, and be ordained by Jesus Christ, which none of those original 12 in 1835 did, but they did take the scriptures of the restoration to scattered Israel and Europe and uh, scattered Israel did begin to start to return to the promised land of North America at that time. But here we have the, the exact cross-reference. Verse 10 was providing the context to the cross-reference to First Nephi 14. And now we have the specific cross-reference in verse 13. But if the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, slash Gentiles, will repent and return, how do we repent and return? We receive Christ. Um, we enter into the new covenant. Return unto me, saith the Father, behold, they shall be numbered among my people, O house of Israel. Well, how are we numbered among, you know, the Father's people, O house of Israel? Well, we become Christ's sons and his daughters by accepting the new covenant. And, you know, this was possible for the saints during Joseph Smith's first ministry. And it's now, again, available to the Latter-day Saints since his second ministry has commenced. Back to First Nephi 14. Verse 2. And harden not their hearts. That's us. If we will harden not our hearts. Against the Lamb of God, they shall be numbered among the seed of thy father. Yea, they shall be numbered among the house of Israel, and they shall be a blessed people upon the promised land forever. They shall no more be brought down into captivity as we have been since the days of Joseph Smith. 
and the house of Israel shall no more be confounded. Verse 3. And that great pit, which hath been digged for them by that great and abominable church, which is founded by the devil and his children, that he might lead away the souls of men down to hell. Yea, that great pit, which hath been digged for the destruction of men, shall be filled by those who digged it unto their utter destruction, saith the Lamb of God. Not the destruction of the soul, save it be the casting of it into that hell which hath no end. For behold, this is according to the captivity of the devil, and also according to the justice of God, upon all those who will work wickedness and abomination before him. And it came to pass that the angel spake unto me, Nephi, saying, Thou hast beheld that if the Gentiles, or if the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints repent, and we know how to do that, it shall be well with them. And thou also knowest concerning the covenants of the Lord unto the house of Israel. And thou hast heard that whoso repenteth not must perish. Well, sometimes we have too strict a definition of repentance because in this context, repentance not only means to uh, say we're sorry and to make amends for, you know, the bad things that we do, but it means much more than that. It means that we awaken or rise to the new covenant, that we become sons and daughters of Christ through it, that we become part of the house of Israel, by embracing the doctrine of Christ. And because we have been given greater light and knowledge than all the other people of the whole earth, if we don't enter into the new covenant, we don't make it. If we don't, even if we be good, which without entering into the covenant, being good means that we're foolish virgins being good is necessary, but it's not sufficient. For being wise requires that we take the Holy Spirit as our guide. If we take the Holy Spirit as our guide, we enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit that we might become sons and daughters of Christ. That's the only way the Latter-day Saints make it. Verse 6, therefore woe be unto the Gentiles, or the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, if it so be that they harden their hearts against the Lamb of God, i.e. against the doctrine of Christ when it is declared to them in power and authority. For the time cometh, saith the Lamb of God, that I will work a great and a marvelous work among the children of men. This begins the second ministry of Joseph Smith and the gathering again of the house of Israel and the restoration of the terrestrial order of church of Christ. And a marvelous work among the children of men, a work which shall be everlasting, either on the one hand or on the other, either to the convincing them unto peace and life eternal, the Latter-day Saints, and the Latter-day Saints have to be convinced because even the humble followers of Christ do err because they have been taught by the precepts of men or unto the deliverance of them to the hardness of their hearts 
those who won't enter into the new covenant and the blindness of their minds unto their being brought down into captivity and also into destruction. If we really realized the seriousness of where we're at right now and the consequences for good and for destruction that not only face us, but all of our brothers and sisters in the church. And that literally, our brothers and sisters in the church who will not accept the doctrine of Christ, they qualify for destruction because they had access to greater light and knowledge and they would not. Both temporally and spiritually. According to the captivity of the devil of which I have spoken. And it came to pass because who do you think, whose plan do you think it was that the true new covenant be gutted out of the church? According to the captivity of the devil of which I have spoken. And it came to pass that when the angel had spoken these words, he said unto me, remember thou the covenants of the father unto the house of Israel. I said unto him, yea. And it came to pass that he said unto me, look, and I beheld that great and abominable church, which is the mother of abominations, whose founder is the devil. And he said unto me, behold, there are save two churches only. The one is the church of the Lamb of God. That is the terrestrial order of the gospel, the church of Christ. And the other is the church of the devil. Wherefore, whoso belongeth not to the church of the Lamb of God belongeth to the great church. So, until a Latter-day Saint enters into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, guess whose church they belong to? It's not Christ's. which is the mother of abominations, and she is the whore of all the earth. And it came to pass that I looked and beheld the whore of all the earth, and she sat upon many waters, and she had dominion over all the earth among all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people. And it came to pass that I beheld the church of the Lamb of God, and its numbers were few. Nephi is literally seeing those members of the church of Christ in our day. The, that slice of the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the restoration branches who have, in fact, entered into the new and everlasting covenant. And it came to pass that I beheld the church of the Lamb of God, the church of Christ, and its numbers were few. Because of the wickedness and abominations of the whore who sat upon the many waters. Nevertheless, I beheld that the church of the Lamb, who were the saints of God, were also upon all the face of the earth, and their dominions upon the face of the earth were small. Because of the wickedness of the great whore whom I saw, 
And it came to pass that I beheld that the great mother of abominations did gather together multitudes upon the face of all the earth among all the nations of the Gentiles to fight against the Lamb of God. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, beheld the power of the Lamb of God that it descended upon the saints of the church of the Lamb and upon the covenant people of the Lord who were scattered upon all the face of the earth. And they were armed with righteousness and with the power of God in great glory. And it came to pass that I beheld that the wrath of God was poured out upon that great and abominable church, insomuch that there were wars and rumors of wars among all the nations and kindreds of the earth. And as there began to be wars and rumors of wars among the nations, which belonged to the mother of abominations, the angel spake unto me, saying, Behold, the wrath of God is upon the mother of harlots. Behold, thou seest all these things. And when the day cometh that the wrath of God is poured out upon the mother of harlots, which is the great and abominable church of all the earth, whose founder is the devil, then at that day, the work of the Father shall commence in preparing the way for the fulfilling of his covenants, which he hath made to his people who are of the house of Israel. Now, let's cross-reference that with DNC 101. And I know we referenced DNC 101 and 103 a lot, but it's the key to unlocking everything that we're reading about. Verse 55. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, as is disclosed in DNC 103, Joseph Smith, go and gather together the residue of my servants in your second ministry, and theirs in their second ministry, and go and gather to the together the residue of my servants and take all the strength of my house, which are my warriors, my young men, and they that are of middle age also among all my servants who are the strength of mine house, save only those whom I have appointed to tarry and go ye straightway unto the land of my vineyard and redeem my vineyard for it is mine. I have bought it with money. Therefore get ye straightway unto the land, my land, break down the walls of mine enemies, throw down their tower and scatter their watchmen. And inasmuch as they gather together against you, avenge me of mine enemies, that by and by I may come with the residue of my house and possess the land. And verse 65. Therefore I must gather together my people, according to the pair of the wheat and the tares, that the wheat may be secured in the garners to possess eternal life and be crowned with celestial glory, when I shall come in the kingdom of my Father to reward every man according to as his work shall be, while the tares shall be bound in bundles and their bands be made strong, that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. Now this is talking about the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who will not receive the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and seek after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. That is the beginning of the abomination of desolation. They don't make it. And if we love them, we will tirelessly declare the truth unto them by the power of the Holy Ghost. 
that they might take upon them Christ's name and be saved and be not destroyed. Verse 17 in 1st Nephi 14. And when the day cometh that the wrath of God is poured out upon the mother of harlots, which is the great and abominable church of all the earth, whose founder is the devil, then at that day the work of the Father shall commence in preparing the way for the fulfilling of his covenants, which he hath made to the people who are of the house of Israel. Okay, now let's go to First Nephi chapter 15, and let's read verses 11 through 20. Do you not remember these things, which the Lord hath said? If you will not harden your hearts and ask me in faith, believing that ye shall receive with diligence and keeping my commandment, surely these things shall be made known unto you. Behold, I say unto you that the house of Israel was compared unto an olive tree by the Spirit of the Lord which was in our Father. Yea, and behold, are we not broken off from the house of Israel? And are we not a branch of the house of Israel? And now the thing which our father meaneth concerning the grafting in of the natural branches through the fullness of the Gentiles. Now the fullness of the Gentiles was not what was ushered in during Joseph Smith's first ministry. It's what's now been ushered in during his second. And we have not yet reached the time of the fullness of the Gentiles but the time, the end of the time of the fullness of the Gentiles will be marked by the destruction of the tares and the leading out of the wheat on an end time exodus, which time is soon coming. So because Joseph Smith has returned, because he has gathered together the servants, and they are actively engaged in their ministry. And he is in the work of translating ancient scripture. We are in this time of the fullness of the Gentiles. That in the latter days when our seed shall have dwindled in unbelief, yea, for the space of many years and many generations after the Messiah shall be made manifest in body unto the children of men, then shall the fullness of the gospel of the Messiah come unto the Gentiles and from the Gentiles unto the remnant of our seed. So this, this coming of the fullness of the gospel of the Messiah to the Gentiles, this reference doesn't have reference to the original restoration through Joseph. It has to do with the second restoration by Joseph. And from the Gentiles unto the remnant of our seed, that's talking about once the wheat and the tares are separated from the Latter-day Saints and the end time exodus begins, at that time, the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ will be taken to the Lamanites. And at that day shall the remnant of our seed know that they are of the house of Israel. 
and that they are the covenant people of the Lord. And then shall they know and come to the knowledge of their forefathers and also to the knowledge of the gospel of their Redeemer, which was ministered unto their fathers by him. Wherefore, they shall come to the knowledge of their Redeemer and the very points of his doctrine, that they may know how to come unto him to be saved. Well, I bet everybody here could answer that question about the how the Lamanites are to come unto Christ to be saved because the exact same way that we have to come unto Christ that we might be saved. And then at that day, will they not rejoice and give praise unto their everlasting God, their rock and their salvation? Yea, at that day, will they not receive the strength and nourishment from the true vine? Yea, will they not come unto the true fold of God? For all of the wheat among the Lamanites will join the end time exodus while they will be separated from the tares. And the tares among the Lamanites don't make it either. Behold, I say unto you, yea, they shall be numbered again among the house of Israel because they will seek after and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. They shall be grafted in through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, being a natural branch of the olive tree into the true olive tree. And this is what our Father meaneth, and he meaneth that it will not come to pass until after they are scattered by the Gentiles. Okay, so there are actually two ways in which the term Gentiles is used in the Book of Mormon. Um, Occasionally, the term Gentiles speaks about the Gentile nation. But when it speaks about the Gentile people, it's speaking of the Latter-day Saints. When it's speaking about the Gentile nation, it's speaking about the United States of America. So here's an example of it speaking about the Gentile nation. Until after they are scattered by the Gentiles or the American nation, and he meaneth that it shall come by way of the Gentiles or the members of the church of Christ. So we go back and forth here. That the Lord may show his power unto the Gentiles for the very cause that he shall be rejected of the Jews or of the house of Israel. So here we have the analogy of just as the Jews rejected Jesus Christ during his first ministry, so would the majority of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints reject him prior to his second coming. Verse 18. Wherefore our Father hath not spoken of our seed alone, but also of all the house of Israel, pointing to the covenant which should be fulfilled in the latter days, which covenant the Lord made to our father Abraham, saying, In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, spake much unto them concerning these things. Yea, I spake unto them concerning the restoration of the Jews in the latter days. So, a quick note. Part 
of the covenant that God made to Abraham was Abraham was to be the one who presided over the preparatory gospel or the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham. And so through the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham, um, all of the world would be blessed. Well, so this is part of the legacy of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Because when we were demoted from the Church of Christ to the Church of the Latter-day Saints, um, it ushered in a dispensation of the gospel of Abraham or preparatory gospel where the Lord used the uh, preparatory gospel to publish the scriptures of the restoration and distribute them to the four corners of the earth to prepare as many as would receive them for the restoration of the fullness which would happen under the hand of Joseph Smith before the coming of Christ also unto the taking forth of the Aaronic priesthood and receiving baptism by water into the preparatory gospel and being able to take a valid sacrament. Um, you know, all of these things, um, you know, have greatly blessed the world. And that is precisely how the Lord has used um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to bless all the world in our day. Now, if we cross-reference this with DNC 110, we have Elias appearing to Joseph Smith in the Kirtland Temple. And although what was supposed to happen was Christ was supposed to appear to the Latter-day Saints during the Kirtland Temple Dedication Solemn Assembly. And if they had repented and returned, Christ would have restored to them the fullness of his gospel and the Melchizedek priesthood. But since they didn't, Elias came to Joseph Smith. And as recorded in verse 12 of DNC 110, after this, Elias appeared and committed the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham, saying that in us and our seed all generations after us should be blessed okay going back to first nephi chapter 15 Start in verse 17. And this is what our father meaneth. And he meaneth that it will not come to pass until after they are scattered by the Gentile nation, the Gentiles. And he meaneth that it shall come by way of the Gentiles or members of the church of Christ. When that order of the gospel is restored by Joseph Smith in his second ministry, that the Lord may show his power unto the Gentiles or members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for the very cause that he shall be rejected of the Jews or the house of Israel. Yeah, we, the majority of the members of the church will 
reject Christ because we're looking beyond the mark. Yeah, because we're trusting in the arm of flesh. And we accept as doctrine the pronouncements of men and women who speak without the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Wherefore, our Father hath not spoken of our seed alone, but also of all the house of Israel, pointing to the covenant which should be fulfilled in the latter days, which covenant the Lord made to our father Abraham, saying that in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed, which has to do directly with how the Lord is actually using the uh, current status of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and has been doing so since the days of Brigham Young. Verse 19, And it came to pass that I, Nephi, spake much unto them concerning these things. Yea, I spake unto them concerning the restoration of the Jews in the latter days. And I did rehearse unto them the words of Isaiah, who spake concerning the restoration of the Jews or of the house of Israel. Remember I said that sometimes when the term Jews is used in the Book of Mormon, it is referring not just to the Jews, but to all the house of Israel. Well, here it's stated explicitly. The restoration of the Jews or of the house of Israel. And after they were restored, they should no more be confounded. Well, this restoration is the restoration directly before Christ's second coming. And although we've been told all of our lives that, you know, the restoration of the gospel to Joseph um, could never be dimmed and could never go into apostasy. Uh, it happened during his ministry and he knew full well of it and was very explicit that it had happened and we have all of the prophecies that the church and the saints would go into apostasy under Joseph Smith's first ministry, but that the fullness of the gospel would never again go into apostasy after it had been restored by Joseph a second time. And after they were restored, they should no more be confounded, neither should they be scattered again. And it came to pass that I did speak many words unto my brethren, and they were pacified and did humble themselves before the Lord. Now let's go to Second Nephi chapter 30. Verse 1. And now, my beloved brethren, I would speak unto you, for I, Nephi, would not suffer that ye should suppose that ye are more righteous than the Gentiles shall be. All right. So Nephi is speaking unto the Lamanites of our day. And when he says Gentiles, he's meaning about those members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who would accept the fullness of the doctrine of Christ and enter into the new covenant and would be used by the Lord to take the fullness of the gospel to them. That ye should suppose that ye are more righteous than the members of the church of Christ who will bring the fullness of the gospel to you. 
For behold, except ye shall keep the commandments of God, ye shall likewise perish. So, when just as there is a separation of wheat and tares, or the wise from the foolish virgins among the Latter-day Saints, and the foolish virgins and the tares don't make it, so there will be the exact same separation among the Lamanites when we take the fullness of the gospel to them. The wheat join the end-time exodus, the tares are destroyed. For behold, except ye shall keep the commandments of God, ye shall likewise perish. Likewise meaning <laughs> that the Gentiles are members of the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints, who don't uh, receive the fullness of the gospel, they don't make it. And because of the words which have been spoken, ye need not suppose that the Gentiles are utterly destroyed. Most of the church, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are destroyed, but not all. Let's cross-reference this. And that portion which is not destroyed are those who also become members of the Church of Christ. So if we go to JST Matthew 21. In verse 53 of GST, Matthew 21. And the kingdom of God shall be taken from them, meaning the Jews of Christ's day, and shall be given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof, in parentheses, meaning the Gentiles, meaning the restoration under Joseph Smith. But then things quickly fall from there. And we get into the situation described in verse 55. And when the Lord thereof of the vineyard cometh, he will destroy those miserable, wicked men, meaning the husbandman in the Lord's vineyard. And will let again his vineyard unto other husbandmen. Well, who are these husbandmen that the Lord refers to as miserable, wicked men? And who are the other husbandmen to whom he gives charge? Of his vineyard. Well, in DNC 101, verse 51. And the enemy came by night and broke down the hedge, and the servants of the noblemen arose and were frightened and fled. And the enemy destroyed their works and broke down the olive trees. Now behold, the nobleman, the lord of the vineyard, called upon his servants and said unto them, Why, what is the cause of this great evil? Ought ye not to have done even as I commanded you? And after ye had planted the vineyard, built the hedge round about, and set watchmen upon the walls thereof, built the tower also, and set a watchman upon the tower, and watched for my vineyard? And not have fallen asleep, lest the enemy should come upon you? And behold, the watchman upon the tower would have seen the enemy while he was yet afar off. And then he could have made ready and kept the enemy from breaking down the hedge thereof and saved my vineyard from the hand of the destroyer. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, Go and gather together the residue of my servants and take all the strength of my house, which are my warriors, my young men, and they that are of middle-aged 
also among all my servants who are the strength of mine house, save only those whom I have appointed to tarry. And go ye straightway unto the land of my vineyard, <laughs> and redeem my vineyard, for it is mine, I have bought it with money. Okay, these are the husbandmen who replace the husbandmen who are the heirs of the legal administration of the leadership of the Lord's people. Do I need to make it any more clear? I mean, I could make it more clear, but that should be sufficiently clear. And go ye straightway to the land of my vineyard, redeem my vineyard, for it is mine, I have bought it with money. Therefore get ye straightway into the land, break down the walls of mine enemies, throw down their tower, and scatter their watchmen. So these watchmen are the same as the husbandmen referred to in GST Matthew 21. Going back to GST Matthew 21. And when the Lord thereof, in verse 55, of the vineyard cometh, he will destroy those miserable wicked men and will let again his vineyard unto other husbandmen, the servants who return with Joseph and Joseph's fifth junior. Even in the last days who shall render him the fruits in their seasons. What does that mean? Who shall render them the fruits in their seasons? Well, as we've already discussed, it means who will declare to the people the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, that they might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and thus become Christ's sons and daughters. That's how these other servants who become the new husbandmen render to God the fruit in their season. Verse 56. And then they... And then understood they, meaning the twelve apostles of Jesus Christ, the parable which he spake unto them, that the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who have not ascended to the church of Christ and entered into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, not just to say, but also to do, should be destroyed also, when the Lord should descend out of heaven to reign in his vineyard, which is the earth and the inhabitants thereof. Okay. Back to Second Nephi 30. Verse 1, again. And now, behold, my beloved brethren, I would speak unto you, for I, Nephi, would suffer. Would not suffer that ye should suppose that ye are more righteous than the members of the church of Jesus Christ. Who will enter into the new covenant. For behold, except ye shall keep the commandments of God, ye shall also, or ye shall all likewise, likewise perish. And because of the words which have been spoken, ye need not suppose that the Gentiles are utterly destroyed, because there will be some who will ascend to the church of Christ. For behold, I say unto you that as many of the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Gentiles, as will repent or enter into the new covenant, are the covenant people of the Lord. And as many of the Jews as will not repent shall be cast off. For the Lord covenanteth with none, save it be with them that repent or enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and believe in his son who is the Holy One of Israel. And now I would prophesy somewhat more concerning the Jews and the Gentiles. For after the book of which I have spoken shall come forth and be written unto the Gentiles. 
and sealed up again unto the Lord. There shall be many which shall believe the words which are written, and they shall carry them forth unto the remnant of our seed. Okay, so again, this is talking about the Book of Mormon and the new scripture that Joseph Smith will bring forth and the missionary efforts that will occur as we go out on the Exodus. And then shall the remnant of our seed know concerning us how that we came from Jerusalem and that they are descendants of the Jews and the gospel of Jesus Christ shall be declared among them. Wherefore, they shall be restored to the knowledge of their fathers and also to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, which was had among their fathers. And then shall they rejoice, for they shall know that it is a blessing unto them from the hand of God, and their scales of darkness shall begin to fall from their eyes, which is what happened to me in 2015, after I was visited by the angel. And many generations shall not pass away among them, save they shall be a pure and delightsome people. And it shall come to pass that the Jews which are scattered also shall begin to believe in Christ. Now, what this means, save they shall be a pure and delightsome people, meaning that it is the responsibility of Manasseh for the physical construction that will need to take place in addition to uh, that city which returns, which is Enoch City. Um, you know, Manasseh has responsibility to supervise the physical construction that will need to take place, and Ephraim will assist, just as Ephraim will preside over the gathering out of those people who are to inhabit the new Jerusalem and Manasseh will assist in that effort as well. And so, um, I mean, to, to participate in that work, um, you know, this segment of Manasseh uh, will need to not only receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost and second comforter, but we'll also need to, you know, have the patriarchal or the Melchizedek priesthood sealed upon them. And it shall come to pass that the Lord God shall commence his work among all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, to bring about the restoration of his people upon the earth. And with righteousness shall the Lord God judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Now, we have all of these Isaiah metaphors for both the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, and Joseph Smith, the Davidic servant. Uh, you know, and with righteousness, the metaphor for Joseph Smith. Shall the Lord God judge the poor and reprove with equity Equity, also a metaphor for Joseph Smith, the end-time servant, for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with his with the rod, the rod meaning the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, or that entity in the last days that would amass to itself all political, economic, and military power and would become the rod or staff in the Lord's left hand to destroy the wicked of the earth, 
or according to Isaiah, about 90% of the current Earth's population. And with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. Um, the breath of the lips of the king of Assyria, king of Babylon. For the time speedily cometh that the Lord shall cause a great division among the people, and the wicked will he destroy, and he will spare his people. Yea, even if it so be that they must destroy the wicked by fire, and the and righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. You know, again, with reference to the Lord's end-time servant, who, um, you know, destroys the wicked uh, as they turn against Zion at the very last. And then shall the wolf dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Wherefore, the things of all nations shall be made known, and all things shall be made known unto the children of men. There is nothing which is secret, save it shall be revealed. There is no work of darkness, save it shall be made manifest in the light. And there is nothing which is sealed upon the earth, save it shall be loosed. Wherefore, all things which have been revealed unto the children of men shall at that day be revealed. And Satan shall have power over the hearts of the children of men no more for a long time. And now, my beloved brethren, I make an end of my sayings. And that will conclude this portion, or part nine, of Christ's second, come, Christ's second coming. And we will um, begin again next Monday. Um, what I believe will be um, the final part of Christ's second coming, part 10. And now we will begin the question 